Eclectors, and welcome back to another episode of the Eclectic Collection, your favorite podcast, or at least I hope it is. And if it is, share, because lots of people need to know that. And quite frankly, I have some spooky information today. We're going to do episode 57, top 10 horror movies. These are my top 10, obviously. Um, love horror, always loved horror. It's been my thing since I was a little kid, probably because mom and dad left me alone too much since I was the oops baby and they pretty much used the TV as a babysitter and in the 80s that was normal and I watched way too many things that I shouldn't have at too young of an age plus I grew up at like age 18 because that's what everybody else was around me so being the highly mature child that I was I just always developed a propensity for horror and I found a lot of it amusing because it was um, comedic to me and if you do see a fine line between some comedy and horror I'm not surprised because there's a lot of little gag, sight gags and jokes in there that are often woven in. So I just always liked it. Um, going from number 10 in my top 10, and uh, I would say that it starts out with that comedic kind of thing. So the Friday the 13th series, obviously I think it went on to like Jason Takes Manhattan and Jason versus Freddy, which was kind of ridiculous. But Friday the 13th, all I have in my head is the little like in the background when he was like in the ski mask going after the kid. And it was, it was neat. I mean, it was very fun. The idea that you had a bunch of kids out on the lake and, you know, they're getting slaughtered one by one. And it was more of the pathetic way that they were getting killed. It wasn't even intriguing or interesting. It was just pure slasher fun. And you would like to think it was a ridiculous situation. I mean, of course it could happen, but it was um, more comedic in the way that they were killed off and in the way that they were, you know, put through whatever tortures they were put through. So kind of neat and then on on the heels of that number nine for me is Halloween and Michael Myers because then you have a different kind of a mask and at least he was like a sociopath and you know had legitimate problems whereas Michael is like always been tortured whereas Jason kind of had the mommy situation and um it's all psychological but at the same token Halloween's been really cool because now I think they're even coming out with like the final one with Jamie Lee Curtis the original scream scream queen who I love and uh, playing that Laurie Strode character from way back They've done a lot with Halloween over the years and just the classic babysitter, you know, have you checked the children, like kind of a situation, which is also a great movie, but it's kind of a B movie, um, worth checking out, honorable mention, but Halloween, definitely a, uh, franchise with longevity that, that I love. Um, eight Bram Stoker's Dracula. I really like it. It's, it's cool. It is, uh, you know, horror again, not horror, not necessarily meaning scary too. So like, Yes, I, I enjoy being scared, but I'm, I'm difficult to scare. So I would say as far as just enjoying the genre of horror for what it is in the purest sense, I, you got to have a Drac in there. And I love the, the OG of Drax. I love the Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's from the original novel. It was done very well. Um, I think the cast was fantastic. Where else can you put Monona Ryder and Keanu Reeves in a situation where they have uh, very odd uh, Bill and Ted accents of British uh, descent? Pretty funny, but... Done really well, loved it. Um, epic movie, worth watching. Really speaks to the original Vlad the Impaler and talking a lot about the initial um, origin of it. And and it is kind of a love story in the end game. And it brings in a lot of the extra uh, components of him turning into mist or turning into a bat or turning into a rat or the idea that he could appear as different things. And um, he needed the element of his earth to keep him whole and, and young. So it was, it's neat. It's, it's really, um, got all the elements to it. I liked it a lot. Seven poltergeist. They're back. A little kid, man. Scary, scary, scary. So poltergeist, uh, as, and again, I was young. So as a kid, I saw this way 
too young and shouldn't have, but I was constantly watching TV. So the idea of a snowy white TV screen would scare the living crap out of me when I was a kid because I just always thought it was Poltergeist right away. It's really interesting, though, the backstory of that genre because, or I'm sorry, that franchise, because that franchise was actually hexed. They had a lot of actors die during, before, and post-production, some of natural causes, some of murder, uh, some of very weird diseases, and some just in an untimely way. Um, They had actual skeletons in the pool scene that were coming out of the ground in practical effects. The cast found out about it as a mistake, and it was actual human remains, and they were disturbed, which is a no-no. Rumor has it they were Native American remains, and, you know, if Indian burial grounds, that's a no-no. I mean, do we not? Because we'll talk about Pet Cemetery in a minute. But um, the actual people that, I mean, they ended up having to go and dig the whole thing up and, like, fix the pool scene. I don't know if they got cadavers or what from the local um, school that was checking them out. But there was that character of Native American descent, and he was extremely uncomfortable on set because once they found that out, he's like, you know, you're disturbing, like, the spirits. It's a bad thing. So they had a lot of problems. Um Joe Beth Williams talks about how she would go back to her trailer and things would be moved and objects would be gone. And eventually when they stopped shooting, she went home and for like weeks and weeks, pictures on her walls in her own home that was nowhere near the set would be upside down or fall off the wall or things would shake. And they had a lot of problems. Uh, Craig T. Nielsen said he had an ominous feeling the whole time. The little girl that was involved ended up dying. She had a very bizarre disease and you could see her getting sicker and sicker as they kept doing more and more of the uh, sequels. There was a lot of trouble. There was a lot of practical trouble with that, and I'm surprised it's kind of a hex franchise. I'm surprised that it got underway. Um, it, it had a lot to it. It was worse than Hamlet, so um, often compared to that, actually. Obviously not in content, but in uh, theatrical problems. So, Poltergeist. Um, six, I would say It. Uh, the original It. Now, I do like the remake, but I, I do like the original way better, even though I understand the practical effects were more used in CG as a big thing. Now they put CGI everywhere. But uh, the original It was just, you know, a bunch of friends getting together at that perfect age where you're a little too old to be young and a little too young to be old and you're put in front of a scary situation and you have to deal with it. And, you know, what do you do? And there's this nemesis. Of course, nobody's going to believe you. So what happens? And it was cool. Um, I, I never really cared for clowns anyway. So just to have an evil clown to hate on purpose, I'm all in. Um, remake was pretty close, uh, not exactly, you know, to the, uh, specs. And then of course they did the, the sequel and the remake to the sequel. And it's okay. I think they'll probably keep going with that franchise. I just think as far as apples to apples are concerned, it was, uh, it was neat, but I'm always going to be from the original one, which begs the Stephen King number five slot as well. Pet Cemetery. I love Stephen King and Pet Cemetery. Again, the original one. Fantastic. Saw the, the sequel. Sequel's a little ghetto fabulous. I think that's like the only time you see the kid that appeared in Terminator 2 anywhere else again, I might add. But um, the original Pet Cemetery and Pet Cemetery 2, although 2 does not much justice to 1, but um, the remake's okay, but I would stick with the, the first one, the original one. Also, obviously books at first. If you read the books, they're even far scarier because your own imagination takes you on an adventure that you're just never even aware that you're on. You'll never look at joggers the same way, that's for sure, but... Um, Pax cow. But yeah, Pet Cemetery is fantastic. Um, really touches to the core of uh, feeling and emotion and wanting to 
bring something back that you lost and yet you can't because it's never going to come back the same way. So um, really neat because it's touching on that loss and grief. And yet when everybody returns, you know, they're not the same because it's like you crossed over. And of course, again, the Indian burial ground um, theme there, there really was an Indian burial ground and you're not supposed to uh, cross that or go into it. And that's where like the ground was sour, if you will, and um, created a problem. So I, I thought that was a great like lore behind everything. Um, I must be on a Stephen King uh, kick. I just noticed that for uh, The Shining. Love The Shining. Again, did a remake, Dr. Sleep. Not bad. Love my Ewan McGregor. But again, um, that was really... No, it was not a remake. I shouldn't say it was a remake. That was a sequel that behaved as a... Uh, behaved as a sequel, but had a little nod to some backstory prior to the original one. I, I, I didn't mind it. I liked the premise behind it. Uh, the original was a Stanley Kubrick film. And, you know, Stanley Kubrick and uh, Stephen King had a lot of disagreement about how it was shot and the way it was shot. Stephen King, in my opinion, is just the best when it comes to horror. And everybody says to him all the time, I love watching interviews with him and listening to podcasts with him. And people will say, well, Steve, you know, what are you afraid of? And uh, he'll say, oh, everything. You know, and they're expecting him to say nothing, but he's like, oh, I'm terrified of everything. That's why I write that stuff so well. Um, you would expect him to almost be turned off from anything and removed from like above fear, but he's not. In reality, he's in touch with it so well, and that's why he writes reactions so well. And when Stanley Kubrick went to do uh, the movie, you know, very existential kind of out there guy, he didn't shoot it in a way that I think was as complimentary to Stephen King's style as he liked. I enjoyed it, um, but I, I kind of get what Steve means, but at the same token, Steve, like I know him, we're best friends, but he... Um, Definitely uh, had a, a very successful uh, movie, and it just took years later to bring out uh, part two of the tra franchise. But when he turns the corner in the little tricycle in the old hotel, and it's the idea that you're in the Overlook, and it's out in the middle of nowhere, and it's shut down for the season, and those twins appear, and they're like, hello, Danny. You know, who doesn't want to jump out of their skin? So now you're actually getting not just horror, but actual fear levels. Um, three, Nightmare on Elm Street. Gotta love Wes Craven, R.I.P. Wes Craven. Also one of the best um, directors when it came to all things scary. I think that Freddy is fantastic because, you know, again, I like, I'm not a, a remake fan. Robert Unglund will always be my Freddy. Um, that is the place where you can't win. It's entering into a realm that you can't protect yourself. When you're dreaming, when you're asleep, you're vulnerable. It's just the way it is. So you can't necessarily wake yourself up or God forbid you have like a night terror or you have night paralysis. You know, you're in that dream state and you don't know what's real and what's not. And if you truly have the tiniest little grain of thought of anything that's off or seems weird or bothersome to you, that can play in your mind and splinter any which way and get your imagination going in such a negative uh, outlet that you don't know even when you wake up are you still dreaming? Are you not? Did that happen? Was it real? And of course, you look a little kooky when you start asking people. So Freddy coming to you in your dreams, trying to get to you in your dreams was a whole other level. Um, I would like to throw an honorable mention in here that's that I didn't think about. Um, it's actually coming to me now, but it's, it's similar in the idea of getting you when you least expect it. And that's The Ring. Now, The Ring was really from a Japanese movie called Ringu. I can't say I've watched that and I heard it's like super, super crazy scary. But the one with Naomi Watts, which is fantastic, 
you know, again, the chick coming through, spoiler alert, the TV to get you, like, come on, you know, who thinks that's actually going to happen? But it became like an impossibility that became reality. So, oh, you're in the TV, you can't get me. Oh, just kidding, crawls through and comes to get you. So just like you thought dreams and sleep were safe, you're at your house, you're tucked in, you know, um, and if you're watching something, oh, it's, it's on the TV realm, it's in the fictional realm. But no, it creates a 3D entryway and, and it comes and gets you. So I kind of, I like that idea of playing on the, um, what seems safe and playing on the, uh, the psyche. It's not just, you know, slasher and some guy physically in front of you trying to cut you up or get you, you know, it's not a, a, uh, hit by a car thing. It's not a, a, uh, spooky realm. It's just straight up, you know, coming to get you, um, by, by, uh, subterfuge means, you know, um, two, now, they're a totally different realm, talking like Supernatural, The Conjuring, which is a newer movie by uh, contrast for a lot of the stuff on my list. But The Conjuring, I think, and of course, it's gone 10 different directions with, you know, Annabelle the Doll and The Conjuring 2 and, uh, you know, Devil Made Me Do It and all the other movies that have come out of it and The Nun and everything. And I've, I've watched all of them. I think I'm up to date, minus, minus one or two. Um, I really like the way they did that. Uh, I am more terrified by religious means than anything else, me personally. So I love horror, but I will get unnerved and it takes a lot for me to get unnerved. But when I start to see that religious element in it, and I guess it's just, you know, a growing up in Catholic school and having like the awareness that there are in fact, you know, bishops that can go, you know, take care of spooky things that you don't talk about or just the, the loose translation to like Von Helsing in the church and things like that. Um, and you know, and again, you could argue, I don't know what happened in the crusades. I wasn't alive for it, but just the idea that there was this religious branch or sect, uh, makes you wonder like, what's going on with the Illuminati? You know, what are the Knights of Columbus doing? They aren't just organizations, you know, but the conjuring was the first time that you really saw, um, uh, the Warren, uh, Mrs. Warren, like she, uh, Lorraine, Lorraine Warren was fantastic. And like, she was a medium and very religious, and did have, you know, some say it's a curse or a gift, who knows, to be able to kind of sense some of this stuff. And once you start crossing like demons and evil portals and things like that, or even like the stuff that they had in the room that they would lock up. First of all, I would never put that stuff in my house. Let's just be clear. I wouldn't even get a warehouse and rent it and put that stuff in it. I'd light it on fire, burn it after a binding spell, see a bye-bye. But the fact that they took elements from each of these cases that they saw and like locked them up and some of these things even still exist. I mean, I watched an interview not that long ago that Post Malone went on some uh, spooky uh, trek with, I, I forget the, the magician, but he went to go find one of the old, um, one of the old boxes and it was, uh, it, it, it like leaned toward him or did something crazy when he went to actually see it. And they're like, you really shouldn't touch this thing. And, you know, he did. And there was like this whole moment and they locked it back up and I don't know who he saw or, or where it was. It was a interview I saw on TV, but, um, he just felt like, oh, this is cool. Let me go check it out. And even he got unnerved and was like, nope, not messing with that. So um, that whole idea of that room and having all these like signature pieces of evil connected to something and that they overcome it is great, but there's a lot of margin for error there. And that brings me to the number one, which again, in that religious theme, The Exorcist. Um, yes, it's dated now, you know, of course in film quality and character, but poor Linda Blair. I mean, she ended up never really having uh, career independent of that. I can remember her being a after school special TV movie where she was a teen alcoholic. Obviously she's another scream queen. Um, you know, just always kind of doing 
spooky stuff because once she did the exorcist people didn't even want to be near her like uh, it was banned by the church it was a whole big no-no in the 70s there's lots of wildly horrible um things that go on in there definitely uh, blasphemous you know things that you wouldn't want to ever say do or imagine you know regarding church church articles and 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 iconic things and they call in the actual priest you know for the exorcism and the fact that again that is real and you can have them is kind of the spooky factor for me so i unfortunately was about three when i saw this way too young yes i know all right don't call uh the uh the you know cys on my parents but um too late for that but i was uh you know, watching flicking channels and, and I was little and it was on and, and I was like, what is this? And again, I'm fascinated because I knew it was like a spooky thing from just the way it was shot and, the, and the, the music. But the idea that you could take this kid and she could literally be possessed and it was this horrible demon situation. And then all the, the priests and the fact that they kill the priest and that they overcome the, the whole thing. And then the priest ends up having to basically give his life for the situation. And it was from a book from real accounts and it did go back in church history and was there so not only can you read the book but it's this is like first-hand accounts so um it was it, it that part troubled me and i remember thinking as a kid i gotta find out what religion this girl is because oh my god am i am i safe or not and uh she that was a thing like too i mean you could play on this a lot of ways psychologically she wasn't really religious they didn't really have too much belief in anything so then they start grasping at straws and end up calling in the Catholic Church to sort of fix the problem. But, um, and if you play on that side of it, like the priest gives his life, so there's that parallel, obviously, to, uh, you know, the crucifixion, but um, the perversions of all things holy in there are grave and shocking if you're not used to it. So just like, you know, dealing with 3 a.m. and, you know, as a, as a, as a perversion of the, uh, crucifixion or dealing with the fact that you know she's vomiting all over the place and of course it was pea soup or whatever they use but you know and she's levitating and, and horrible things and cursing and speaking in tongues and all this kind of stuff so there's a lot going on there but it's really just uh bad as far as uh what you would take it to be so i'm not sure um for me just uh what level of scary it was but i would say for me at the time it was a 10 i've since you know obviously rewatched it several times and um when her head turns around, wow. But it still bugs me on some level. Um, but that to me, like when it's that religious thing, it can be the worst that you can possibly think of because it could happen. And, you know, all you all you have is your faith to protect you. So I'm, I'm very much, uh, you know, a believer in that. You know, it's, it's the idea of, uh, I grew up with Franciscans. So the idea that, uh, you know, God will carry you when you're in a, a bad way. Uh, footprints in the sand, love that one. But I think that's, you, you just have no recourse but your faith to get through a situation like that and what made that you know there's a lot of what ifs what made that girl be the one to get picked what why did that happen you know she was a young innocent kid like what you know and you could go on to the exorcism of emily rose and 20 other different ones and possessed and all these different movies that have played on that but the og there was exorcist and of course that went on to be a franchise too second one wasn't too great um third one was pretty good they started since came back around a lot but the original linda blair is the way to go a little honorable mention I'd like to throw in is the Paranormal Activity series. I did like them. That was practical effect, black and white, old school, like pull the door closed with a string, scary. And um, that was that was what I really liked to uh, 
to see. So that was kind of neat. There's just a, a whole franchise that goes six or seven movies deep that I really enjoyed. And again, just simple stuff, but simple jump scares and things that you would enjoy if you never watched them. I think you should. So that's my rant on all the uh, movies that I grew up with that I thought coming down to spooky season soon, you would enjoy my top 10 horror picks. And if you haven't watched them, I uh, advise that you do. And if you're not into horror, well, then make sure you got the lights on. And my advice is mute things because the music is a good clue and it gets your blood pumping and it makes your uh, blood pressure go higher because... uh, that's the psychological tactics. So if you watch a horror movie on mute during the day, I guarantee it's not as scary as any other time. If you like what you heard today, then check us out at eclecticcollectionpodcast.com or listen to us on your preferred platform. I'm Terry Naglia. Thanks for listening. <laughs>